Welcome to the Calvary Couples Podcast. We're continuing our series on the family life of a Christian, and we're going to be talking about discipline. And um, discipline often has a, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a poor reputation, I suppose, as um, many of us reflect on the uncomfortable nature of discipline. But from the parental perspective, we're going to talk about the purpose of discipline in making disciples. And I think that's the goal of every Christian parent is to bring their children up, as the Word of God says, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord so that they can become disciples and followers of Jesus Christ and then become disciplers themselves. You know, last week we talked a little bit about, you know, the need for fun and um, just the enjoyable things of making memories that come along with childhood. But, you know, the reality is, is that all children, just like all human beings, are born sinners. And as sinners, we expect that mistakes will be made because that's the nature of who we are. But not only will mistakes be made, but also sinners are looking for opportunities to do the wrong thing. And you don't have to have had um, children for very long to know that human nature is one that looks for opportunities to do something wrong. So because that's the case, it requires that discipline be a part of a part of life. It's just the, the nature of things. Um, and to be fair, you know, disciplining children is really one of the most important responsibilities of being a parent. So the expectation is that when you decide that you're going to have children and bring them up, you what comes along with that is the responsibility to discipline them and realizing that discipline is for the purpose of bringing up disciples who could be followers of Jesus. Um, so the big thing I want us to take away from this lesson is that as parents, we have to think hard and we have to talk through the issues of discipline so that we will act in ways that are honoring to God and also ways that are helpful to our children. So the first um, point I want to emphasize here is um, before we get to the actual discipline itself, we need to introduce them to God's holiness, because without God being the standard of holiness, we, we struggle to define what sin is, and sin is anything that falls short of the glory of God, and the nature of God, and the purpose of God, and who God is. Um, God is the definer of what is good, what is righteous, what is holy, and anything that doesn't measure up to that standard, the Word of God declares is sin. So that gives us a good basis, a good starting point or knowing when to implement discipline because we can recognize sin in the life of ourselves and, and in this particular lesson, in the life of our children. And that's really the pattern of the Old Testament history. You know, you constantly saw um, throughout the Old Testament, we saw God would give a directive, the children of Israel, and he would say that there would be a blessing that would come by following that, that directive. The children of Israel would fail, they would fall short, they would turn away from God, and in turn, God would punish them. Then he would reinstate the directive again, or the command, or the rule, however you want to describe it. And he would say, this is my expectation, and this is the blessing that will come from this expectation, but there is a curse if we fall short of this expectation. And the, the, the cycle keeps continuing, just like a parent raising a child. It never takes the first time. We're constantly having to reinforce and emphasize the expectations that we have for our children, but we have to let we have to introduce them first and foremost to God's holiness and who God is. You know, the purpose of raising disciplined children is so that they will walk in the blessing of their heavenly Father. You and I can offer them blessings; we can offer them rewards for doing the right thing. But the greatest blessing is that they would walk um, in in tandem with their heavenly father and that they would ultimately reflect his nature. I mean, the goal of every Christian parent is that their child will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, 
and that we can help shape and mold their character so that they will properly reflect the nature of their Savior, of their Creator, of their Father, God. So expose your children to all of the scriptures. You know, the passages that speak of blessing are often the enjoyable things we like to share, but we also need to introduce them to the difficult passages that describe God's fierce judgment of sin. Because if we don't do that, the failure will result in children who pick and choose their attitude towards sin. And they'll pick and choose their attitude towards sin based entirely on what the culture at hand thinks about certain instances and situations. But we need their attitudes towards sin to be based completely and wholly on the Word of God and what God says about sin. So the first thing is introduce them to the holiness of God. The second thing is to integrate proper discipline. What should that look like? And I, I think we find the pattern in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And the very first thing that's laid out for us is, is specifically to fathers, but I imagine it applies to both parents, but maybe fathers have more struggle with this, and that is do not provoke. Provocation implies these things, unreasonable, unjust, uncontrolled, or insulting discipline. As fathers, we need to avoid all these things when we're trying to instill discipline in our children to not be unreasonable in our demands, to not be unjust in our choice of discipline, to not be uncontrolled or in a rage or to be out of control with anger, or to be insulting to our children. That's not the way that God interacts with us. Don't let the primary takeaway be, well, mom or dad is angry, even though that might be the case. And, And it probably is the case. You know, we're upset at unrighteousness, and that's okay. But that should only be part of it. The greater takeaway, and maybe this is something that's learned in the long term, maybe not the short term, it's to be able to say, I did something wrong, and this discipline is for my good. And I hope that as an adult child, I can look back on the discipline that my parents instilled in me. And maybe in the moment I didn't appreciate the discipline, but I look back on it now and I reflect and I say, you know what? They were doing the very best for me, and they were doing it for my good. So realize that when the Ephesians 6, 4 says, do not provoke, provocation is a result of unstable and insecure people. And the whole point of this lesson is that this is the way that Christians respond. This is the, how Christian homes should be structured. And if we're Christians, then there is no reason for us to be unstable, and there is no reason for us to be insecure. Because as Christian parents, we have the foundation of the very Word of God to rely on. So, um, you know, leave, leave the provoking part out of it. There's no reason to be insulting, to be unreasonable, to be unjust, to be uncontrolled. Reflect the character of your Heavenly Father as you discipline. The second thing is to discipline with the spirit of love. So first we're talking about do not provoke, and then in Ephesians 6, 4, we find discipline that's completely encompassed by a spirit of love. Now, love can be misapplied, and in fact, I would argue that improper application of love can be just as disastrous as the improper use of anger. You know, anger can destroy things just as love that's misapplied can destroy things. You know, the idea that, well, I I don't want to hurt them, I don't want them to be disappointed, I don't want to ruin their fun, so I'm not going to instill discipline even though it's necessary, can really be just as dangerous, and really it shows a warped view of what love looks like. We ought to go to the character of God to find the pattern of how we should discipline in a spirit of love. And, And the truth is, is that discipline should reflect the character of God. In Hebrews 12 and verse 7, it, it tells us that God disciplines those that He loves. In fact, refusing to discipline is an act of unloving. Uh, Proverbs 13, 25, and, and you re- see it repeated again in 23 verse 13, says again that somebody who is loved is somebody that will be disciplined. It describes discipline as a form of love because we care about the person that's left in our charge. You know, failure to discipline carries the implication 
that a child is not valued enough to be considered part of the family. Think about that. If you're, if you're not willing to shape the character of your child, if you're not willing to um, interject where there's wrong um, attributes in the life of your child, what you're saying is this child is, not, is of no value. This child is, 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 has no worth to me, and it isn't worth my time and my effort to intervene on their life so that they can experience God's best for them. So under integrating proper discipline, we talked about not being one who provokes, to do all discipline in the spirit of love. Another thing we find in Ephesians 6 and verse 4 is to instruct our children with knowledge, literally meaning to bring them up in knowledge. Demonstrate to them why the Christian way of doing something is the best way. And sometimes in circumstances, we simply need to make the directive, and you've heard it and I've said it, and that is just do what I asked you to do. Don't ask questions, because I said so. And sometimes uh, an action needs to be carried out immediately, such as your child's in the middle of the road, and you need to just tell them to get out of the road. You don't have time for questions. Maybe you can explain it later. But more often than not, especially as children mature, we ought to take the time to explain to them why we are expecting them to do things a certain way. And the reason is that the Word of God, the Christian way of doing something, is the best way. We ought to believe that. And as children grow older, we should expect them to challenge our way of thinking. I know I was certainly a very challenging child to my parents. And they took the time to patiently and lovingly explain to me why they chose to follow after God's way of doing things rather than another way. So be all right with your children challenging your way of thinking as they get older, because what it does is it gives you the opportunity to take hold of moments to study for yourself, maybe to reintroduce yourself to why you believe something a certain way maybe to just remind yourself, and then to just carry on a dialogue with them over the truth of the Word of God. If you and I can clearly explain the truth of God's Word, the Scriptures will eventually and ultimately always win out. And if your child is also a Christian, the Spirit of God will speak to them. It will say, what your parent is telling you is the truth. Receive it, and there will be a blessing that comes from it. Know that you don't act as a parent alone. And then show them that God's way is not only good, but as we see in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, that it is pleasing and perfect. By following God's way, they will always find the pleasing way and the perfect way. And the final thing under integrating proper discipline, so do not provoke, discipline in love, instruct knowledgeably, and then finally in Ephesians 6 verse 4, we find the responsibility to nourish them or to bring them up means to raise a child to maturity, providing for physical and their psychological needs. One of the very best ways that we can do that we find in Colossians 4, 12, and 13, as well as James 5, and 5, 16, and that is to pray for them. seems like a simple thing, but praying with your children is one of the greatest ways that a parent can minister to their children and to nourish them. A child who knows they are prayed over is a child who is safe, is a child who is secure, and who is a child who knows they are valued and they are loved. And truthfully, it is one of the simplest things that, that, that parents can do is to simply take the time to pray with their kids, and hopefully that'll be a tradition that continues on throughout the life of your child, that when they're older and they're adult parents themselves, they can call their mom and dad and say, hey, would you pray with me over this particular situation? So we're talking about discipline in the first two points. We talked, introduce them to God's holiness. Secondly, we talked about how do we integrate proper discipline. The third thing, and maybe the most difficult thing in all this, is to respond consistently. You know, a consistent response, regardless of circumstance, cultivates the proper atmosphere of respect. You might say, well, what does consistency and respect have to, how, do they, how are they um, mutually inclusive? 
Well, parents that disagree in front of their children about the nature of discipline will break down the respect their children have towards the discipline. You'll find you'll have a difficult time respecting any, anything or anyone who speaks a certain way but acts a different way. And as parents, if we're going to hold to a certain standard of living, we must be able to consistently reinforce that standard of living and those expectations on the life of our children. And what that will do is foster an attitude of respect, mutual respect, one for the other. As parents, it's vital to agree about discipline. Um, I don't know if you know the name of Catherine and William Booth, but William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And as a couple, there were a few rules they used to govern their relationship. And that was that they never had secrets. They never separated their purse or their finances. They, talk out, they would talk out differences rather than pretend they did not exist. And the fourth thing is that they would never argue in front of the children. And I'll add on to this, I assume, about the children. Uh, this question was raised to me um, in a class when I was teaching this, and well, would it not be all right for, for children to see adults respectfully disagree with one another and have a debate over a particular topic or issue? I absolutely think that could be very healthy. But I imagine what Catherine Booth is trying to um, um, clarify for us is that it's not generally wise to argue in front of the children about the children, where as parents you have a disagreement about what should be done, what they should be doing, what they should not be doing. And those are things that most, I would say in, in a healthy way, would be something that should be figured out behind closed doors first so that you can present a unified front to your children. So the final thing under responding consistently, I would imagine, is to stand firm. You know, failure to stand firm communicates that discipline is not connected to the behaviors of right and wrong. Rather, it is connected to the parents' comfort and convenience. And I would say that that's probably prevailing in the culture today is that a lot of times moms and dads um, don't discipline their children based on their behaviors of right, right or wrong. It's more often connected to what is going to be most comfortable for me and what is going to be most convenient for me. And the reason this is so dangerous is because we have to remember that as parents, we reflect the character of God to our children. And this attitude of not standing firm couldn't be farther from the character of God. Because the scripture tells us that God is faithful and God is consistent. He is the God that never changes. He's always the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And these are truths we find in James 5, verse 12. We find Jesus speak about making your yes be yes and your no be no in Matthew 5, 33 through 37. So we need to remain consistent and stand firm because that is how we reflect the character of God to our children in the way that we parent. So just to kind of take a little bit of stock here before we get to our last point. We first said when disciplining kids, introduce them to God's holiness. That gives us a standard for what sin and right and wrong is. Point two is that we need to be able to integrate proper discipline. And that includes not provoking, disciplining in love, instructing in knowledge, nourishing our children. And the third point was to respond consistently. And here's the last point, and that is create an atmosphere of mutual respect. Now, this is something that starts when children are young, but I imagine the fruit of that labor is really found as children get older and become adults themselves. How do we foster an atmosphere of mutual respect? Well, First, as parents and as, as adults, we need to respect those whom respect is due. And this is a very, very important value in the scriptures. We find that in Hebrews 12 and verse 9. God places different aspects of authority in our life. And don't get so caught up in the individual as much as you recognize the office that God himself has instituted. And have respect for that office, even if you don't necessarily agree 
with the person themselves. Remember, we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God, and we all will have flaws. But we must realize that it is God who puts people in place for a certain point in time to influence each and every one of us in a certain way. So the respect there is, is vital for those relationships to work. Learning to respect parents is the first commandment that has an attached promise or a blessing. And you, you'll read that in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and chapter 12. As well as you'll find Paul speak it again in Ephesians 6 and verse 2 when he says, Obeying parents is the first commandment with promise. And if you recall, the promise is that, that your days will be long on the earth. And I don't want to get too hung up on this particular point, but I will say a, a quick reading of it would make the case that, well, someone who died young must have been disobedient to parents. I don't think that's the case at all. In fact, I don't think it could be further from the truth. The truth that's being expressed there is that if we will honor our parents, that there's a, an attached blessing to that, and if we will listen to what our parents are trying to instill in our lives, and we will take hold of those truths from the Word of God, then what comes along is a blessing that that generation can then pass down to the next generation. And there were two things that God promised the children of Israel, and that was that they would be a people, they would be His people, they would be a nation, and that they would have their own land. And you can look in the, you can look in the Old Testament, and you will see time and time again when the children of Israel turned away from God, that some larger force or power or nation came in and disbanded them as a people, and it, they took their land. Then they would turn back to God. God would restore them somewhat. Then later on, they would turn from God. Another nation would come in, execute the judgment of God on them. They would lose their nationhood, and they would lose their land. And eventually, it came down to the final point where we see in the end of the prophets in the Old Testament, where eventually, the Babylonians would come in, the Assyrians would come in, and they would take everything that God had promised them until God would instill it at a later time. So, I didn't want to get too hung up on that point, but the point is, is that there is a generational promise that as children honor parents and parents will teach children that there is a generation after generation after generation promise and that the people of God will have a long time on the land. And who knows, you might change your family tree by simply instilling the discipline of God's uh, word in the life of your heart and the life of your family. Another way to create mutual respect is learning respect early develops a healthy attitude toward respect as children mature. And we find that to be the case in Romans chapter 13 and verse 7. And we must say that if we look into the prevailing culture, that there is an unhealthy attitude um, towards uh, any, any kind of authority, and that we have done our children a disservice by not helping them mature by um, having the proper attitudes toward respect. Again, the attitude of respect is more for um, obviously for people as human beings, but realizing there will always be people, people that have flaws. But God instills, in, institutes people in an office for a particular reason, for a particular purpose, and that that office deserves the respect that God's placed on it. You know, respecting people in authority is a key Christian trait. And I don't have the time to go through all these scriptures, but you can find in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, we see the, the, the positionality of Christians respecting each other in the house of God. Ephesians 6.5 um, reinforces the um, response, and I think in Colossians 3.22 as well, reinforces the responsibility of um, uh, children and parents having mutual respect for one another. So you see the respect that's necessary in the home. And then we see it amongst governing uh, in 1 Timothy as well as in Titus 2.9. And then uh, the, probably the most famous one is in 1 Peter 2 and verse 18 is to have respect for, for those that God has placed in authority over us, whether it be governmental, whether it be an employer. And in the case of 1 Peter, even an employer who treats us unjustly is still somebody who as a Christian is worthy to be respected. Because remember, 
Respect isn't hinging on how someone treats you. Respect is to reflect how Jesus Christ himself responded to others. And when he was beaten, when he was mocked, when he was accused, he still treated other human beings with the respect that they were due. And that's the greatest testimony that you and I can reflect the character of Christ, is to respect even when we feel that we are being unjustly treated. So always keep that in mind, that it's a key, key Christian trait um, throughout history. And the final thing here, maybe the most practical takeaway when it comes to developing mutual respect in your home, is be very, very careful of criticizing other authorities in your children's life. That could be a school teacher, it could be somebody in the church, it could be a pastor, it could be their employer if they're a little bit older. All different other kinds of authorities are going to begin to get involved in your children's life as they get older. And as parents, sometimes we'll feel that that authority is treating our children unjustly, because naturally we might be biased one way or the other towards our kids. But be very careful in this regard is be willing as a parent if you think it's necessary for you to intervene and be very wise about how you choose to intervene. But don't but do it this way. Intervene and deal directly with the person in authority in your child's life. Don't criticize the authority in front of your children. Because what this is what this shows is a sign of insecurity in, in you as a parent. And like I said before, there's no reason for you to be insecure as a Christian parent. Because as Christian parents, we know that God is entirely in control, and we have the foundation of His Word. So if you feel like there is some authority figure who is unjustly treating your child, be willing to go to them directly and try to work things out and deal with them um, in a way that's, that's necessary, keeping in mind mutual respect and, and a strong Christian testimony. But always avoid um, trying to criticize those people in front of your children. You know, this is often an inability to allow others to influence our children. And there can be some insecurity in that. You know, maybe as teenagers get older, I know it was in the case of me that I, you know, was a difficult child in some respects. And there were times I just simply wouldn't listen to my children. But there was mature Christian people that God brought into my life that made a profound impact on who I am today. And if my parents had been insecure, they might not have let those people, um, you know, interact in my life in the way that they did. But because they saw that it was God's hand at work, it made a huge impact on my life. So be willing to partner with others, especially other mature Christian believers, to help influence your kids in developing discipline, because we ultimately want them to become disciples. So the final takeaway here is keep the focus that discipline is primarily about our child's welfare, not about our name. It's not about how we look in the community. It's not about how other people look at us and respect us. The goal is for our children's welfare. That's the first and foremost purpose, and that by helping them reflect the character and person of Christ, that all the other things will take care of themselves. You know, we, sh- our, we should not let our children be given special privileges because of their name, just as we should not let them, be, we should not reprimand them based on what other people might think about us. So the principles of nepotism come into place. Don't let your children have special advantages just because of the last name that they might have. Also, don't discipline your children and reprimand them based on what other people might think about you and your name. This attitude will foster children who are able to discern God's call on their life and the discipline and freedom to pursue that call. That's our goal. Our goal is to bring up children who are free to choose and live out exactly what God has put on their heart to do. And for your child, they might become an engineer. They might become a lawyer. They might become a tradesperson. They might become a doctor. They might become a lawyer. They might end up in the ministry. They might go out on the mission field. They might do so many things for the cause of Christ. And I know as parents, our heart is simply to to allow them to be free and to be equipped, and to be open to whatever God's calling them to do. And first and foremost, that is to 
share with them the wonderful message of the gospel that they'll receive Christ for themselves. And then what a privilege it is to be that discipling agent in their life that can help mold them and shape them and conform them to the image of Christ. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Again, if you have any questions, I'd love to um, hear you reach out. You can reach me at uh, J-C-E-H-U-L-I-K at calvaryashland.com. I hope that you'll follow this podcast. Share it with anybody that you think it might be a help to, um, as well as, um, well, I guess that's probably all you can do is just follow the podcast and reach out. But again, I hope that it's a help to you and that it's a blessing. And um, again, if I can ever be a help to you, please reach out and let me know. If you have any questions on anything or any particular ideas that we could do for um, any of these podcasts, let me know, and I will, um, I'll try to get those things rolling along. So thank you so much. I hope to see you um, or, or have you listen in here next week, and I just look forward to what God's going to do in our lives. Have a great day.